0: Informing America's farmers and ranchers, it's Adams on Agriculture. Produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Here's your host, Mike Adams. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Adams on
1: Agriculture. Thank you for joining us and letting us be part of your day. Lots going on in the news. We're going to cover it here on the show today. Getting closer to uh, market facilitation payments, round two uh 2.0 if you will looks like we're in the 15 to 20 billion dollar range now and they're trying to work out the commodity mix and things like that we're going to be talking about that got a interesting uh spat going on between the chairman of the house ag committee colin peterson and the administrator of the farm service agency richard fordice we'll talk about that Uh, How are the markets reacting to all this, plus the planting? We'll talk with Arlen Suderman with uh, INTL FC Stone. You know, talking with farmers, uh, we're inching along with this planting season. Depending on where you're at, maybe you can find a little bit of dry ground, a field here, a field there that you can actually get into, and some planning getting getting going, others still waiting. So uh, how are the markets starting to look at that, finally getting their attention and reacting? We'll talk about that with Arlen Suderman. We have new ag equipment sales numbers out. We'll talk about that with Kurt Blades with the Association of Equipment Manufacturers. We're also going to talk a number of ag issues today with Darren Kopick, president and CEO of, of the Ag Retailers Association, so we have a lot to cover. But when to start it off with the news. Jerry Hagstrom with the Hagstrom Report is with us. Jerry, thanks a lot. Um, earlier this week, when I was in uh, Washington and at USDA talking with Ted McKinney, Undersecretary for Trade and Foreign Agricultural Affairs, he indicated that uh, not only were they working very hard on another round of market facilitation payments, and that they would be coming in just a few days. Uh, But he said that that number would be 15 to 20 billion dollars and that they're working on the commodity mix very much in mind. uh, the criticism they received for going so heavy towards soybeans on the last one, Uh, what are you hearing on the latest on this?
2: Well, the last I heard was from Secretary Perdue, uh, who was on the phone last night from uh, Korea uh, talking to reporters here in Washington. Uh, And he also said 15 to 20 billion. Now, the interesting thing about that is that the president has only said 15 billion. Uh, But Purdue says they're doing an analysis of lost export sales, and that whatever number they come up with will be defensible to the World Trade Organization in case anyone challenges the right of the United States to uh, to make those payments. Um, And of course, the corn and wheat lobbyists are working hard to try to get a better deal than they got in the last uh... package uh... they only got uh, the corn growers got one cent per bushel the far, the wheat growers fourteen cents while the soybean growers got a dollar sixty-five now u s d a said that that was because that was the level of the losses uh... and soybeans because soybean growers were selling so much to uh... canada uh, to uh... china Uh, but I guess we'll just have to see if they can come up with a different justifiable formula.
1: Yeah, Ted McKinney was asked about that when we met with him earlier this week, and he said he did not necessarily agree that the last round was not equitable, but he did acknowledge those concerns that were raised by other uh, commodities and seemed to indicate that the mix would be different this time.
2: Yes, uh, well, Purdue also uh, uh, said he thought that the the formula the last time was, uh, was okay, but acknowledged also that there had been complaints and that they would try to learn from what the stakeholders have said. Now, of course, the lobbyists say the way that they calculated, calculated it was, uh, was wrong and that uh, corn and wheat should have gotten more, um, but that's just kind of a debate between the administration and, and those groups.
1: Meanwhile, Ambassador Greg Dowd, our chief ag negotiator, told us earlier this week that uh, there are ongoing discussions, daily discussions on the 232 tariffs, the steel and aluminum tariffs on Canada and Mexico. Now we're hearing from Treasury Secretary Mnuchin that perhaps they're getting close to some kind of a a pathway to removing those, which would certainly seemingly open things up towards uh, getting USMCA passed.
2: Yes, the news on uh, USMCA was very positive yesterday with Christia Freeland, the Canadian foreign minister, being in Washington to talk to both the administration and to Senator Grassley, the chairman of the Senate Finance Committee, and also uh, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi, who met with uh, Trade Representative Lighthizer, also said that uh, things were looking more positive for bringing up the uh, USMCA. I think that they may be trying to do something so that Canada, the Canadian Parliament could vote on it before they go out of um, uh, out of well, they don't go out of out of office; they they go out of session for their elections, and that's sometime in June. Uh, and of course, Canada says it, that they won't vote on it until those tariffs are off.
1: So that's that'll be a big step if they can announce something there would seemingly uh, open the door towards the passage of USMCA. Uh, we're talking with Jerry Hackstrom with the Hackstrom Report. Jerry, what do you make of this uh, this back and forth between House Ag Committee Chair Colin Peterson and FSA Administrator Richard Fordyce? Uh, Peterson, very unhappy that the USDA is resuming enrollment in the continuous CRP. He thinks it's going to take acres away from the regular CRP and Colin Peterson even threatening to sue to, to stop uh, the USDA plans.
2: Yes, Peterson is upset to a great degree about the management of the CRP. Uh, he's also upset about some um, permanent easements that were apparently made a few years ago. I that's taking land out of production that shouldn't be taken out. Uh, but also, Peterson is very much a hunter, and he wants CRP to benefit wildlife. And he maintains that this continuous CRP, which is so focused on water quality, uh, does not do, he said it does almost zero for wildlife. Uh, And, of course, he is chairman of the committee, and and I wouldn't discount his intensity on anything. Peterson is someone who really pushes when he cares about something.
1: Yeah, and this is uh, especially strong language from him uh... on this particular topic you can tell he's very passionate about it
2: yes and it and it, it, and i didn't think that Fordyce did a very good job of answering the question uh... and didn't seem prepared for it and it's sort of surprising that the administration would put something out like this uh... without um, you know giving more notice or consulting with the uh... with the committee um, uh... Congresswoman fudge uh, said afterwards that uh, that the members of the committee hope that USDA will uh, will follow the spirit not just the law of what Congress wrote in the 2018 farm bill.
1: so indeed lots going on Jerry thanks uh, for helping us sort through it Always good to talk with you
2: All right good to talk to you too
1: take care Jerry Hagstrom with. The Hagstrom Report. Yeah, I'm looking forward to uh, talking with Richard Fordyce, FSA administrator, and uh, asking for his thoughts uh, on this exchange and this challenge by Chairman Peterson over the um, continuous CRP uh, sign-up uh, guidelines and direction that USDA is going in. Obviously, it's not the direction Colin Peterson wants to see. Well, coming up next, we're going to talk with a number of issues uh, with Darren Kopik. He is president and CEO of the Ag Retailers Association. We're going to talk infrastructure, immigration, and more. Stay with us here on AOA, Adams on Agriculture. Adams on Agriculture, brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel, diesel that doesn't mess around.
3: Talk, talk 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 talk
4: talk talk
3: talk 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 talk
4: talk there's a lot of talk coming from the makers of wheat fungicides these days and some of them are really talking up some pretty big claims But
5: when you eliminate the fungicides
4: that are Johnny come latelys the ones without a proven track record and the ones from makers who consider wheat to be just an afterthought there's really only one left to talk about the one you know and can trust. Karamba fungicide from BASF. It gives you best-in-class head scab suppression, top-level DON reduction, and excellent control of late-season foliar diseases. And all of that gives you a proven yield advantage over untreated infected wheat acres. Karamba fungicide from BASF. For time-proven performance you can trust. Everything else is just talk
3: talk 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 talk, talk To learn
4: talk, how caramba talk. fungicide can help your wheat's yield potential, talk to your BASF representative. Grow smart with BASF. Always read and follow label directions.
1: Recently on Adams on Agriculture, financial issues, farm or business problems and fear of losing the farm. Impacts Farmers' Mental Health. That's according to a, a new poll that is sponsored by the American Farm Bureau Federation, May is Mental Health Month, and we're talking now with Ray Adkinson, American Farm Bureau Federation Director of Strategic Communications. Ray, thank you for joining us. Tell us more about this poll that uh, Farm Bureau sponsored.
6: We're all aware of the challenging farm economy right now. We know it's having an impact um, on farmers and ranchers, so uh, we partnered with, uh, are we Head morning consult conduct a research poll for us, uh, 2,000 rural adults across the country. And as you mentioned, financial issues are really on top. The top three things, financial issues, farm business problems, and fear of losing the farm are the top three things that we're hearing that are really uh, impacting farmers'
1: mental health right now. For the information important to rural America, join us on Adams on Agriculture.
5: Everyone responds differently to change. Some are frightened by it. Some try to ignore it, and some are inspired by it. POET has always shared a true connection with farmers, and like farmers, we see the world differently. We're inspired by change. So when it comes to the challenge of climate change, we see opportunity to make the air cleaner, to make our country safer, to leave the planet we've been given just a little better. Biofuels and oil alternatives, solutions for a brighter, more sustainable world. Get inspired with us. Visit POET.com. Data is data is data. Unless you work with FS, then your data comes with expert insight. Tapping into a wide range of technologies through MyField, your FS crop specialist evaluates trial data from your farm, along with only the most qualified aggregated data that reveals trends in your area. With MyField, your FS crop specialist delivers the insights you need to build your ROI. Learn how results from FS nitrogen trials can be applied to your farm at fsmyfield.com. FS, bringing you what's next. Okay, men, this is your
7: time. Maybe you didn't choose this, but you're here now. You're going to go out there and be an all-star caregiver. It's up to you. So what are you going to do? You got to go grocery shopping, cook, clean, be there emotionally and physically. You got to dig deeper. Drive them to physical therapy, doctor's appointments. Don't you forget about the pharmacy. No, you won't. Because that's what caregivers do. Don't give up. Don't ever give up. This is your time to show the world, your family, and yourself that you're tougher than tough. Now go out there and be the best caregiver this world has ever seen. Caregiving is tougher than tough. Find the care guides you need at aarp.org caregiving. A public service announcement brought to you by
1: AARP and the Ad Council. Adams on Agriculture is brought to you by Cinex Premium Diesel. With Cinex Premium Diesel, you can count on a diesel that will keep
0: your operation in top shape. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams.
1: Welcome back. President Trump uh, rolling out his uh, latest immigration proposal to boost border security. Um, looks like it is a move to a more merit-based system. So we'll be talking about that and probably will face plenty of headwinds and op- opposition in Congress. So we'll see how that plays out. Uh, that's one of the topics that I discussed earlier earlier this week with Darren Kopick president and ceo of the AG Retailers Association another one of those topics was infrastructure and the white house plans to have a second infrastructure meeting with congressional democrats next week i asked darren kopick about the importance of this issue in getting something done to improve our infrastructure
8: I think if there's one bill that's possible to get done on a bipartisan basis in this political environment, infrastructure is it. Everybody's talking about how important it is. And, you know, our our prosperity as a nation for the last however many decades you want to measure has been based on our infrastructure. Uh, And if we don't take care of it and maintain it, that's a competitive advantage that we could lose to other competitors. So it's really important that we get it done. Uh, You hear stories about the white house meeting with house democratic leaders or meeting with senate republican leaders and so there's interest in all the camps uh the key questions in my mind are going to be how much money do we pay for it or do we just print money to do it uh and and then the priorities of of, okay where's it going to go is it locks and dams is it roads is it highways is it texas is it illinois is it california that stuff will have to be fought over too if they come up with the money, then everybody starts, then you start, how do you divvy the pie, right? And the other thing is, if that's the one piece of legislation that's actually going to move, everybody will try to attach their other stuff to it. So you got to deal with the Christmas tree problem as well. Let's talk about the
1: uh, immigration issue, the ag labor issue. Uh, I don't think a lot of people still, in general, outside the farming community, understand how much that impacts
8: food production in this country. Oh, I'm sure they don't. And, and they won't until it impacts the price of what they're buying at the grocery store. Uh, and and we, we may be headed there. But it's, it's something that everybody, I think, agrees the system is broken. The problem is that nobody agrees on what the fix is. And so you'll come up with, what, like Goodlatte did in the last Congress, a, a bill that was good for lots of the segment. But even some of the, the Western Growers Group couldn't support it because it didn't take care of the families of the workers. There's always some little piece that's got to be addressed. And the art is going to be to find something that gets enough votes to get passed. And we seem to be in this trap with a lot of issues. If we can't fix everything, we don't fix anything. That's true. Um, and, and Congress's default position is that if somebody doesn't come to us with a basically the solution already baked and the coalition already built, uh, if there are differing opinions, that's a great excuse to do
1: nothing. We are seemingly seeing some progress on a new Waters of the U.S. rule. Uh, steps are being taken to to get rid of the old rule and have this new proposed rule. Do you like what you're seeing proposed by the administration on that?
8: Absolutely. The, the new Otis rule is a, is a quantum leap ahead of where the old one was. It's much more clear about what's in and what's out of jurisdiction. It's much more clear about what's a federal responsibility versus a state responsibility. And even though some of the waters may be removed from federal jurisdiction, doesn't remove them from a state clean water regulation. So this this nonsense about California's waters leaving regulation, that's not true because California will still regulate the ones that it wants to regulate. So uh, I think with all of the things that are around water quality, whether it's nutrients, whether it's uh, this NPDES issue that we've been fighting for a long time on, on permitting, A lot of that gets easier if we can get this Woodus Rule done, and in my view it's the most important regulatory thing we can do in the
1: next two years. How do you view what's going on with court rulings, state governments, uh, and others that are either getting rulings that take away some of the crop inputs that farmers use or seriously threaten them being a a tool that they can continue to use in the future? How do you see that playing out? Because it seems like this is kind of a growing trend now to go after some of these products. Well,
8: it is. Uh, You're seeing it first with glyphosate, but also with chlorpyrifos and some of the other products that are out there where either courts or the Congress or state legislatures are trying to substitute their judgment for the scientific expertise that's at EPA. And we've had uh, a long established tradition at EPA of they look at the science, they look at everything that needs to be considered, and then they say yes or no. And how in the world could a jury in California or a state legislature in Oregon or Vermont or anywhere else have as much expertise as EPA does to make those decisions? It's, It's bizarre. Do we have any ag product that's been reviewed as many times as glyphosate has? <laughs> Probably not. I mean, maybe 2,4-D because it's been on the market so much longer. But uh, the, and, and glyphosate, the story's clear. One little IRC study, which was out of context, said there might be a problem. But everybody who's done the detailed analysis that an IRC study normally leads to, whether it's here or Australia or Canada
1: or Europe, everybody has said this stuff is safe. It reminds me of some other things going on in our country today in that if you don't like what you hear in a in a report, you just keep going back and keep trying to find something else wrong because you didn't like the answer the
8: first time or the second time or the third time. We're seeing a couple of those now go on with what was the Des Moines Waterworks case. Now there's a group of people suing the state of Iowa over the same exact issue. Uh, We've seen it in what was the Anderson Seed case on treated articles for treated seed. Now there's new litigation or at least a petition to try to redress that issue again. We just keep going around the same wheel over and over. From an ag retailer standpoint, How do you view the importance of these talks with China right now and the importance of getting that market opened up? Uh, uh, There's nothing more important in the trade sphere right now than than getting that taken care of. Not only because of the export market for agricultural products that farmers need to survive and thrive and be able to do business with retailers, but a lot of the inputs that we get have components that come from, from China. And so if we're in a dispute with them and they apply tariffs to some of those things, uh, those costs are going to get through the system and be passed to the farm gate in some form. Uh, the, the channel just can't absorb it all.
1: Yeah, it's a two-way situation. Let's talk about inputs this year. We've got this delayed planting season. How's that impacting input prices? Well, um
8: I've not followed prices directly, and I, I try never to tell people what I think is going to happen with prices. That's a great way for me to get in trouble. Uh, but in, in the conversations I've had with retailers across, especially through the Corn Belt, there's a lot of concern with how late the season is, uh, whether people are going to be able to even get fertilizer and seed in the ground. Uh, we really need a stretch of dry weather and to get caught up. It's impacting your members all across the country, right? Oh, absolutely. And, and it's 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 funny because in, in the Corn Belt, it's it's all about it's too wet to plant. We can't get in the field, and all these things. In California, where they haven't seen water for five years, they're happy because yeah. the streams are full. It, it, it's uh, and that's the way these issues tend to work out. Thanks, Darren. You bet. Thanks, Mike.
1: Darren Kopick president and CEO of the Ag Retailers Associations. I spoke with him earlier this week while I was in Washington, D.C. I wanted to mention this story. Our good friend Jarrett Rinshaw, National Energy Markets reporter for Reuters. You hear him quite often here on Adams on Agriculture. Uh, he's reporting, Reuters reporting, that the Trump administration made it easier for oil refineries to get waivers from the RFS at least four months before for a court decision that EPA often cites to justify their move uh, whenever they're asked about why they're granting these, uh, these waivers, they often EPA refers to that court decision. Well, this reporting uh, shows that the uh, administration and the EPA started granting those waivers at least four months before that court decision was uh, before it came down. And the timing and the motivation then for EPA's policy change, which revealed through court documents and an interview uh, with a former top agency official, had not been previously reported. So this is breaking news from uh, Reuters and Jarrett Renshaw. And this looks to reinforce the concerns that the biofuels industry has raised over and over that the decision by EPA to expand the waiver program was made at epa's own discretion so we're going to be talking much more about this this is a breaking story we hope to get to jared on perhaps with us even tomorrow to talk more about this uh epa under president trump has granted 35 waivers for 2017 that's up sharply from seven in the final year of the obama administration Court documents filed by a biofuels advocacy group show that the EPA changed the policy before that court decision came down. Again, that court decision is what EPA is often used to justify their uh, decision to grant these waivers. So that's going to be a story you're going to be hearing much, much more about, and uh, we'll be getting more reaction to it in the days ahead. Coming up next, we're going to talk about market reaction to the trade news, to uh, delayed planting and a lot of other factors. Arlen Suderman, Chief Commodities Economist for INTL FC Stone, joins us next. Stay with us here on AOA Adams on Agriculture.
4: There's a lot of talk coming from the makers of wheat fungicides these days, and some of them are really talking up some pretty big claims.
8: But when you eliminate the fungicides
4: that are Johnny come latelys, the ones without a proven track record, and the ones from makers who consider wheat to be just an afterthought, there's really only one left to talk about the one you know and can trust. Karamba fungicide from BASF. It gives you best-in-class head scab suppression, top-level dawn reduction, and excellent control of late-season foliar diseases. And all of that gives you a proven yield advantage over untreated infected wheat acres. Karamba fungicide from BASF. For time-proven performance you can trust. Everything else is just talk,
3: talk, 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 talk. talk, talk to
4: learn talk, how Caramba talk. fungicide can help your wheat's yield potential, talk to your BASF representative. Grow smart with BASF. Always read and follow label directions.
1: Synex Premium Diesel comes with a more complete additive package for a more complete burn to optimize performance in all engines.
3: Whether you're on the road or in the field, you need more than typical number two diesel you need a heavy-duty diesel like Cenex Premium Diesel. It comes with a more complete additive package for a more complete burn. It's the diesel that keeps your equipment out of the shop and restores power by as much as 4.5% and fuel economy by up to 5%. So ask yourself, if you could be any diesel, which diesel would you be? Cenex Premium Diesel. Diesel that doesn't mess around.
5: Everyone responds differently to change. Some are frightened by it. Some try to ignore it, and some are inspired by it. POET has always shared a true connection with farmers, and like farmers, we see the world differently. We're inspired by change. So when it comes to the challenge of climate change, we see opportunity to leave the planet we've been given just a little better. Biofuels, oil alternatives, nutrient-rich proteins, these solutions create cleaner air and a more sustainable world. Get inspired with us. Visit POET.com.
9: Time for a market check here on Adams on Agriculture. I'm Kirsten Rall. Rusty Halverson and Sabrina Hill are in Washington, D.C. this week, covering the National Association of Farm Broadcasters event, Washington Watch. Continued buyer interest is expected in hog trade. Follow-through support is expected in the hog complex Thursday, with traders looking for any sense of hope in Thursday's export sales report. Port swept through corn and soybean futures Tuesday and has sparked renewed buyer interest in several byproduct markets as traders try to make purchases before additional grains develop. Grains keep leaning higher with a wet forecast as well. Ethanol futures fell lower despite falling supplies as traders focus on increased production levels. On the board of trade nearby corn up 7 and a quarter at 376 and a half, nearby soybeans up 6 and 3 quarters at 842 and a quarter. For the wheats, Minneapolis spring wheat July up seven and a quarter at five twenty-two and a half. Kansas City wheat nearby up seven and a half at four oh nine and a half. Chicago wheat July up eleven and a quarter at four sixty and a quarter. For livestock, at the Merck in live cattle futures, June down thirty-five at one oh nine thirty-two. August down twenty-five at one oh six seventy-two. In feeder cattle futures, May down 217 at 133.75, August a dollar 2 lower at 141.25. In lean hog futures, June 70 lower at 91.10, July down 65 at 91.27. In the outside markets, the Dow Jones is 225 points higher, the Nasdaq Composite up 72. Crude oil is up a dollar 7 at 63.09. The S&P is up 27 points. Again, Rusty and Sabrina are in Washington, D.C. this week, covering the National Association of Farm Broadcasters event, Washington Watch. That's a check of your egg markets. You're listening to Adams on Agriculture. I'm Kristen Rall for the American Ag. Now-
3: sometimes life is wonderful, and sometimes it's not. Cherish the good, but always be prepared for life's challenges. and health insurance is your financial safety net. If you're looking for health coverage at the best price and your annual household income is 35,000 or more, give us a call at 800-664-2612. That's 800-664-2612, 800-664-2612.
1: Adams on Agriculture brought to you by Sinex Premium Diesel. Sinex Premium Diesel, a more complete additive package for a more complete burn.
0: Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now back to Mike Adams.
1: Always enjoy our conversations with Arlen Suderman, Chief Commodities Economist for INTL, FC Stone. He joins us now. Arlen, has the calendar finally got late enough and the forecast wet enough that the markets are taking it Uh, you know, taking notice and paying attention.
6: Yeah, absolutely. And it really happened on Monday when the uh, pre-report estimates, I'll say, came out for the crop progress report. and And the market started to see that the trade really is expecting a rather slow progress in planting that suddenly becomes critical. And then you add that to the forecast for the rest of the month, and suddenly the realization is there that, It doesn't matter whether it rains or not. If you can't plant an acre of corn, it won't yield. And so yield debates are meaningless beyond that point if you can't get it planted. And that's not just true for corn. It's true for spring wheat. It's true for soybeans as well. I think the real focus is on corn right now, uh, considering that's the balance sheet that would be the easiest to really flip into a tight situation.
1: And when you have a state such as the one I'm in, Illinois, that's such a a big corn producer, when you see how far we're behind here in this state, uh, along with the other planting delays, it really starts to get your attention. Here we are the 16th of May now.
6: It really does. A major production state, just 11% planted as of Monday. That is huge. Not only, even if the weather opens up and we get the entire state planted now, which we hope would somehow happen, uh, that's late and certainly puts the odds against us for getting trend yields. And in history, would say would tend to favor below-trend yields. But we still have the risk of getting those planted, let alone all the acres that need to be replanted because of poor emergence conditions that we're simply not going to have time to do. There is some hope for the eastern Midwest as the European model tends to keep the rains a little bit more to the west than what the American GFS model, but overall the models are in pretty good agreement. It's going to be pretty tough to get much corn planted across most of the midwest once we get beyond this weekend
1: we're starting to see prices uh, moving up would they be going even higher if it wasn't for the uh, situation with china
6: on the corn, it really shouldn't matter. In fact, because we weren't selling much corn to China, and I think that's been a misperception of the market and the corn market. I think that that's a case where computers who have been selling indiscriminately. We lack the fundamental information to prove them wrong on the corn. It's certainly justified on the soybeans but not on the corn. Um, and so a, a trade deal with China would have been a huge positive for the corn, and would have dramatically tightened the balance sheet. But the balance sheet was vulnerable even without a trade deal, and we're seeing that vulnerability play out now. So if we happen to get a trade deal, all of a sudden it becomes explosive for corn if we can't get these acres planted.
1: Arlen, I heard a number uh, earlier this week when I was in Washington on African swine fever in China. I heard that they could or will lose as much as up to 70% of their swine herd. That's a staggering number. Have you heard anything like that?
6: Well, as we talked to uh, one of our customers in China, uh, he was very seriously told us that due to the structure of the industry in China, it's very possible that they will not get the disease stopped until they lose every hog in the country. Now, when i 've been asked that question about what is the top that we 'll see I, I give that quote, but I say more realistically right now i 'm working off the assumption that we 're probably going to lose at least sixty to seventy percent of our feeding in China. Uh, we cannot rule out the possibility of it being worse, and it really goes down to the structure of the industry in China makes this almost a perfect storm type of environment. Uh, making it nearly impossible to stop the disease until we get a vaccine, so that becomes the critical component
1: so does that put pressure on them to do a deal, or does um, you know do they look other places how How do they fill that protein uh, void they're going to have there
6: well i've been saying that uh from the meat industry's perspective, a deal or no deal really doesn't make a difference. They've got to have the protein, they've got to have the meat, and they've got to buy it from all the above type of a scenario. So if they refuse to buy from us, and keep in mind they own Smithfield, so they can still buy from Smithfield. But even if they chose not to buy from the United States, they would have to bid supplies away that much more aggressively from the rest of the world, which would send that business to the United States. So it's just rearranging the deck chairs on the sinking Titanic. And so from a meat standpoint, I don't think a trade deal makes a whole lot of difference. Uh, And if it's state buyers buying, they don't pay the tariffs anyway, or if they do, they're paying themselves.
1: So what do you see for pork prices?
6: Well, I I think we've just seen the initial blow here to the – I don't want to say blow, initial surge in the market uh, because – uh, while China has been buying they 've not been taking shipment in fact, we've seen small cancellations, which may be an attempt to kind of send a message now uh we the China is currently drawn from its reserve supplies, and the best information we have, although confidence in this number is lower than some other things that we have, but the best information we have suggests that that reserve will start to dry up as we get into about September and that's when we expect shipments to become much more aggressive uh, and a much sharper impact on on the meat markets.
1: We're talking with Arlen Suterman with INTL FC Stone. So let's go back to the grains. Um, Do you see uh, prices continuing to move up uh, as we deal with uh, these uh, planting delays?
6: Well, we have the potential here. I mean, it's still too early to declare it necessarily, but I think the odds are strong going in our favor. We could see record prevent plant acres in the modern era. Um, the, the, uh, if we look at Monday's crop progress report, that would be week 20. And if you look at week 20, um, the slowest planting progress that we had previously seen for week 20 was 62%. uh, of planting would require uh, a significant progress this week, and that's not likely to happen. We're not likely to hit that. And uh, then if you look at what they did, and that was in 2009, we went to 82% the following week and 93% the week after that. That's nearly two-thirds of the crop would have to get planted over the next three crop progress reports. I don't see any way we do that. So we could be looking at some reductions uh, that are unprecedented due to prevented planting, and if we do that, we start tightening up the balance sheet, requiring demand rationing of exports of ethanol, and uh, very possibly see prices over $5, and I know farmers out there just really got excited when they heard that, but if I were an end user, that is the risk that I would be worried about.
1: Yeah, we had USDA officials tell us earlier this week they're preparing for an onslaught of prevent uh, plant acres. Uh, what makes this year so different, um, Arlen, is usually even when you're, we're a little late or you know it's wet, all of a sudden there'll be this big break and it's like a huge amount gets done all at once. It doesn't seem like that's happening. It's just a little here and a little there.
6: And I think it's important, you're exactly right, I think it's important to recognize that farmers feel so desperate right now, particularly if they've already had the fertilizer on and have so much invested to get the corn planted, that they're going in on that soil when it's really too too wet and cold, when they normally would not want to be in there. That's not good for emergence, so even a lot of what got planted is not emerging well, and is not going to have the thriftiness and the production potential. So that is a real concern going forward. Uh, we're not done with this by any means. And as I just finished before going on the air, looking at uh, the updated forecast going out for the rest of the month and looking out for the first half of June, it reminds me an awful lot of 1993 for those who are around for that, except for this year we came into it with with a saturated soils much earlier in 1993 we had that open window and we were able to get the crop planted for the most part uh prevent planted acres were not that high that year and we got the crop planted in the ground so acre not planted doesn't yield
1: yeah so we're still trying to figure out acres but on the yield uh, debate at some point USDA is going to have to uh realize or a- adjust their figure down right
6: Historically, it's had a tendency to do that, the June report, in late planted-type years. I I would expect it to be conservative in that adjustment, but I would expect if the forecast verifies that we'll see an adjustment to uh, yield in June. But uh, even if you go back to 1993 and some of the other wet years, it oftentimes did not really significantly impact acres until we got the FSA numbers In the fall of the year
1: okay you realize out of this whole conversation uh, for many the only thing they heard you say was five dollar (laughs) corn
6: I realize (laughs) that and I think it's uh, prudent that we approach this from a business standpoint not put all of our eggs in one basket but I think it's important that end users recognize that risk potential is there we should balance that out with the fact that the safrina crop in Brazil is looking very good. They're getting some very good rains in previously dry areas of the Black Sea right now. There's some risk that that'll go back dry again, but right now crop conditions look good, and uh, they're getting a good start for the corn crop there. So the other major producing areas, including in China as well, are getting moisture in uh, in right proportions and looking like good production but we could still dramatically tighten the U.S. balance sheet.
1: All right, Arlen, thanks a lot. Look forward to our next conversation. Appreciate it. Thank you. Arlen Suderman with INTL FC Stone. Stay with us. More coming up here on AOA Adams on Agriculture. Adams on Agriculture, brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Synex Premium Diesel, diesel that doesn't mess around.
0: Reason number 12 why you should own a Thermospas hot tub, they require no attachment to your home's plumbing. Thanks to the Thermospas unique built-in thermofiltration system that filters the water an incredible 144 times a day, you simply fill it with a garden hose and your water stays crystal clear with very little maintenance. Call to receive a free DVD and brochure and find out how you can own a Thermospas hot tub for only a few dollars a day. Right now, they're offering 0% APR financing with approved credit and a $1,000 savings coupon, including free delivery, free chemicals, and a cash discount. And with bottles starting at $4,995, there will never be a better time to own a Thermospas hot tub. So call now and ask about this limited-time offer. Call Thermospas today at 800-991-5852 for your free DVD and brochure. That's 800-991-5852 thermospas hot tubs designed to improve your life call 800-991-5852 today to take advantage of zero percent apr financing
5: everyone responds differently to change some are frightened by it some try to ignore it and some are inspired by it poet has always shared a true connection with farmers and like farmers we see the world differently we're inspired by change so when it comes to the challenge of climate change we see opportunity to make the air cleaner to make our country safer to leave the planet we've been given just a little better. Biofuels and oil alternatives, solutions for a brighter, more sustainable world. Get inspired with us. Visit Poet.com.
1: Recently on Atoms on Agriculture... Well, as we continue to uh, wait for movement on USMCA and Congress, we want to get an update on the situation in Mexico. Joining us now is Kim Adams, Vice President and COO of the U.S. Grains Council. Kim, thanks for joining us. You were just in Mexico. Tell us about your trip there.
2: Yeah, we had a really um, productive meeting, um, a couple of meetings. We met, of course, with a lot of our key partners in the biotech and trade space. You know, a lot of, of course, you know, really long history of Mexico um, in terms of our presence there and and collaboration with a lot of our members and um, of course the industry in Mexico. So we met with a lot of those companies while we were down in Mexico City, as well as with um, government officials to talk about USMCA and the end kind of movement on uh, various kind of trade issues.
1: For the information important to rule America, join us on Adams on Agriculture. Do you
9: know how to keep food safe at home?
5: Clean, separate, cook, and
4: chill.
9: The easy lessons of clean, separate, cook, and chill will help you protect your family and be food safe. Let's talk about how to separate. First, use different cutting boards for meat, poultry, seafood, and veggies. Raw meat should never touch food that won't be cooked. Then, always keep raw meat, poultry, seafood, and their juices away from other foods in the shopping cart. And store raw meat, poultry, and seafood in a container or on a plate in the fridge, so juices won't drip on other foods. Food safety risks at home are more common than most people think. The USDA is your partner in being food safe.
5: Clean. Separate
9: information visit BeFoodSafe.gov or call 1-888-MP hotline
4: Hi, I'm Greg Peterson of the Peterson Farm Brothers. If you've seen our videos, you know we're proud to be farmers. Farming can be dangerous. Never assume location or depth of underground utilities or pipelines. Before you start any work on your farm, call 811 or visit clickbeforeyoudig.com to have underground lines located. It only takes a minute and can save your life.
0: Never assume the location or depth of underground lines. Always call 811 or visit clickbeforeyoudig.com before you start work. A message from the Pipeline Operators for Ag Safety campaign.
1: Adams on Agriculture is brought to you by Sinex Premium Diesel. With Sinex Premium Diesel, you can count on a diesel that will keep your operation in top shape.
0: Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams.
1: Each month we go over the uh, latest ag equipment sales numbers with Kurt Blade, Senior Vice President for Agriculture for the Association of Equipment Manufacturers. Kurt joins us now. Kurt, good to talk with you again. Before we get to the numbers, uh, I know uh, you have to be excited, as many others are anxiously been awaiting this for some time, but uh, we're hearing more and more talk from the administration that maybe. There's a plan to remove those steel and aluminum tariffs on Canada and Mexico. That would be uh, a, a big uh, move forward, wouldn't it?
10: Uh, that is great news. Uh, when those alerts came across the, the wire yesterday, we were all putting some cheers out there. I, uh, I certainly hope that comes to fruition because uh, you know, I'll believe it when I see it, but, boy, it's, uh, that's certainly great news. It's certainly an issue that we've been pushing pretty strong on for the last year. Uh, yeah so a, it has a big impact
1: We have talked about it for so long now and from where we're sitting here in mid may of twenty nineteen, as you look back over the time those uh tariffs have been in place, what has been the impact on the equipment industry
10: well it's been it's been multifold i mean if you, you know, the, basically the if you think of all equipment, whether it's ag equipment or construction equipment or utility equipment, there's a whole lot of iron. A whole lot of aluminum goes into those into those uh, uh, pieces of equipment, and you know, so it's it's just raising the cost of goods. Even if uh, someone is is already buying their uh, their steel from a domestic producer, the overall market has just gone up. Uh, the prices were already going up, but they just went up exponentially uh, as a result of those tariffs. And so those are that's a that's had a real impact on the you know the cost of goods, the cost of production for all of our members. In the ag space, you know, as we talk about, it's been a double whammy because of the of the trade war that sort of came out of uh, came out of that. Now, the other side of it is that our you know our manufacturers on the ag side have been pretty good about holding steady on prices despite those rising costs, because they recognize that that farmers are getting hit twice uh, with with both uh, uh, you know lower prices and just kind of a softening of economies. So, uh, you know, so they're so as a result, manufacturers have had to take just a little bit, a uh, little bit less margin, or just sort of absorb some of those additional costs.
1: And of course, uh, lifting those tariffs uh, would seemingly help open the way to getting USMCA passed, which is another big item as well, because trade is such a, uh, is having such an impact on the ag economy, which impacts the, the sales of ag equipment.
10: You bet. I mean, it's again, it's twofold for uh, for ag manufacturers because you know we you know we're in a global economy, and there's a lot of times that a, that a tractor cost cro tractor or a piece of farm equipment crosses the border a couple of different times before it actually ends up in the final production process and that's just the way our manufacturing processes have been built uh, with with free trade between mexico and canada and the united states and so it's in, it's imperative that, that 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 remains open but boy, you know you just sell a whole lot of crops uh, we sell a whole lot of crops to Canada we sell a whole lot of crops to Mexico and uh and then around the world so it's like you're in the commodity market you want to have as many markets as you possibly can those trade barriers have just got to go away
1: we're talking with kurt blades with the association of equipment manufacturers kurt as we get ready to give the numbers the sales numbers for april um i can't help but think about all the equipment that's sitting idle right now can't get in the fields because it's so wet
10: i'll tell you what it's uh been a crazy, uh, crazy twelve months with harvest running as late as it did this past year because of water, and then we just got some, you know, water all over the place that's just causing farmers to not get in the field. And I just, yeah, I just feel for it. Heart goes out for the folks that are that are dealing with flood issues and and long term effects of some of those some of those floods. That uh, you know, heart goes out to them. But boy, I know they, you know, every every farmer wants to be in the field. They don't like that equipment to set idle. Certainly, when you have beautiful days where uh, where you should be planting.
1: All right, so as we look at the sales numbers from April, uh, what stands out? What's the takeaway here?
10: Well, the takeaway for the sales for, uh, for April for tractor and combines really comes down to, uh, you know, we're in this replacement market that we've been talking about, and sort of despite some of the, the negative news that's out there for the ag economy, tractor and combine sales have actually held their own. The bright spot is absolutely under 40-horsepower tractors. Those just continue to be on fire Uh, through the month of through the month of april as they've been for the last couple of years where we're we're really seeing you know 10 to 15 percent year over year month over month growth in that under 40 horsepower tractor segment as we say that's a that's a lot of people that are buying tractors that may not be on a farm but that represents a whole lot of volume for for our manufacturers some of the other interesting bright spots are uh, self-propelled combines continue to outperform Sort of expectations, just a little bit, with uh, with some nice percentage growth year over year. Um, you know, we have sold about uh, fifth about about two hundred more units of combines this year versus this time last year. So that's a that's a pretty nice number. And articulated four wheel drive tractors uh, continue to, to, to perform quite well as well. And, yeah, those so this are, has been This has been the
1: theme, Kurt, for this last year: uh, pleasant surprises uh, each month. I mean. Were you realistically were you kind of holding your breath, given the ag economy being what it was, that we would see just a major fallout somewhere along the line that we have not, fortunately, not seen?
10: Can't I'll tell you what I uh, every every time this tractor report comes out, I hold my breath and think, is this the one that it's going to that it's going to fall? Because again, I'm pleasantly surprised, but uh, uh, you know, but I still think there are just some dark storm clouds out there. I don't know if you saw this morning that. JP Morgan came out, said uh, with a quote saying the uh, the ag industry is rapidly deteriorating, and cites trade and African swine flu and some other things in in the place out there. So you hear you see headlines like that, and that that does have a little bit of effect on your overall psyche. But then the numbers come back, and we're pleasantly surprised. So again, I'm an optimist. I want to say that this too will pass. But boy, we got to get this trade stuff worked out because that. Uh, that has some, you know, some the potential for some longer term damage that we're pretty concerned about.
1: Yeah, it's just hanging over everything right now. All right, Kurt, thanks a lot. We'll talk to you again next month.
10: You bet. Thanks so much, Mike.
1: Take care. Kurt Blades, Senior Vice President, Agriculture for the Association of of equipment manufacturers. Well that wraps it up for today. Tomorrow we're going to talk with Minnesota's Ag Commissioner about some ag issues and planting progress in Minnesota. We're going to talk with the U.S. Grains Council. A move by the European uh, Union not to file anti-dumping duties on U.S. ethanol. We'll get into that. Got some news with the Panama Canal. Lots going on. We'll keep you updated right here on AOA.